0: for the Redbird Report Podcast with the TV voice of the Cards, Danny Mack, and Cards World Series champion Brad Thompson on 101 ESPN.
1: Hey, it's Danny Mack, Dan McLaughlin with BT, Brad Thompson of the Lane 101 ESPN. It is an off day today for the Cardinals. Again, they were rained out against the uh, Kansas City Royals, but we're still talking baseball as uh, the Cardinals head out on a long road trip. Three cities coming up. They've got Milwaukee, then it's go off to uh, Miami, and then we'll be in uh, Cincinnati. Hey, Brad, always good to hear your voice. How are we doing?
0: I am doing great, man. Uncle with these rain delays, though, and these uh, postponements. I want some baseball, my man.
1: I am with you. Uh, it kind of messes up the rotation, but in a way, and from a pitching perspective, I'm really curious what you think. It, it's not necessarily the worst thing. Now, you should be protected with a 28-man roster, but – Uh, it just allows guys to kind of catch their breath. And coming out of a shortened spring training, I I don't think it's necessarily the worst thing. I'd I'd love to see Wayne pitch at home. He's great at home, although the last couple of years he's been great at both home and road. But now it lines up for him to go tomorrow against Milwaukee. But uh, the big picture is I I just think it kind of, you know what, You, you catch your breath and you line things up and away you go.
0: You know what, I think you just deal with it one way or the other. I I do think that there are a couple of guys as, look, Dan, we haven't even made our way through a full turn in this rotation yet as Jordan Hicks came out of the pen, by the way, very encouraged with what we saw out of Hicks and his two strong innings. Didn't give up a hit, punched out two. Uh, like what we saw there, but we haven't seen a full turnaround yet. We're seeing a lot of guys that I bet want to get back out on the mound quickly that uh, the outing for Stephen Matz obviously didn't go the way that he wanted it to. The outing for Michaelis. But you deal with it. You know you're going to have weather issues at this time of the year. And uh, I would agree when you're trying to go zero from 100, remember, we'd be just past like the midway point in a normal spring training for a lot of these pitchers. Usually you get five to six starts in spring training. These guys got three starts. So really, I mean, they're still in that build-up phase. So I don't think that the extra days off are, are really going to affect them much.
1: It's been interesting, hasn't it, in Major League Baseball across the board I thought starters would go deeper than what we've seen. On average, it's about four and a third, four and two thirds. But I guess organizations are saying, look, these are our assets. We got to protect them. We have 28 guys on this roster. We might as well use them. But I I think they've almost been overly protective with their pitching. It's been interesting to watch.
0: You know what I've noticed too, though, Dan? I I think that there is absolutely that aspect of it, is organizations are going to be smart with their guys. But I'm also looking and this has been the case certainly with the Cardinals pitching is you got a lot of guys that aren't as sharp as they generally would be so they're still throwing a decent amount of pitches but they're not getting the bang for their buck you know what I mean it's around the zone it's getting in deep counts and we've seen a little bit of this around baseball that guys just are not as sharp. Pitch counts end up going up, hence the innings end up coming down a little bit for these guys. So I would think that the next turnaround, we're gonna see a little bit more sharpness. You also deal with, as you know, Dan, we talk about this every year. You deal with going from Arizona and Florida, and then going into all these climates where it's cold out one day, you know, St. Louis. Dan, you grew up here, it's freezing one day. It's nice. Oh, you're not playing that nice day. It's freezing again. It's hard to uh hard to get a feel for everything that you're doing. So I'd like to see the starters go deeper and deeper. They would uh, as well. But you do have a lot of protection, which is nice.
1: It was uh, quite a moment last night at the ballpark.
0: Albert Pujols.
1: In the air. Out to deep left. It is gone. Welcome back, Albert. It's like you never left. Number 680. And he does it back in St. Louis. That was phenomenal last night to see what happened with Albert Pujols. Um, and I've said this to you a million times. I mean, Brad, I called his first hit, called a lot of his memorable moments, and that is right up there with him. A lot of people have asked me about that moment from a personal perspective of just being behind the mic. And I keep saying, well, Albert did all the work, so which he did. But it was an awesome, awesome moment at the ballpark. And uh, that's the first of many probably coming you know what, this season, get used to it, because it's going to be a lot of fun.
0: He looks good, doesn't he? I want to get to that home run in a second, but I I don't want to pass over the fact that we just added production value to this podcast for the first time.
1: I just tried something, and you're on a Zoom, we're on a Zoom, and I was like, well, I got my board. Let me see if I plug this thing in and if it works. So, really, it wasn't about playing the call. It was more just to see if it worked, and it did. So, I'm thrilled. I am absolutely thrilled.
0: We have got next level production now. We are going to be fine. <laughs> We're going to be able to, to roll out all kinds of highlights. Chances are, Dan, your uh, your voice is going to be behind it. Kind of self serving, really. Really uh, is, but it worked. Yeah, it that worked. Was, no. it was very hey, self. That moment, the call was fantastic, and it, it was a, a decade in in the waiting. Like we've been waiting to see this guy again. Nobody knew that this would be uh, the reunion. Nobody uh, knew exactly and knows exactly what the role is going to be looking like, and I know it was uh, against the lefty starter there yesterday uh, that that he was able to have the success goes three for four uh, saw Lynch well the home run that he hit was a 93 mile an hour fastball It was down in the zone and it was just majestic we've seen it uh, so many times over. But the moment was special. The energy in uh, in Bush Stadium was palpable. And this came on the heels of Nolan Aranato, who I'm sure we'll get to in a minute, who is in fuego so far this season. He hits a home run, and then Albert goes back-to-back with them. It's just one of those moments, Dan. I, like, I don't want to get too far ahead here when it comes to the Cardinals and specifically their offense, because we, we know that pitching-wise there are going to be some questions. We've already hit on some of them. It just feels like something special is brewing with this team. With the, you know, you have your superstars that are in their primes in Goldie and Arenado. You have the next wave of superstars coming with Dylan Carlson. Truly believe, and I know you do too in his skill set. When you have Tyler O'Neill doing what he did last year and the potential there, and then you have Albert and Yachty and Wayno. Something about this feels special.
1: I, I asked Ali yesterday, I said, my temptation would be as a manager of the Cardinals that I don't care if a righty or lefty's up, but if a lefty's up, I'm certainly playing Albert. But if there is a right-hander that makes sense, man, my temptation would be to play him. And he agreed. He said, it's one of the things I'm struggling with right now already is that he looks so good, and he's in shape, and his timing's there, and he'll let us know if he needs a break or a breather or whatever, and we're going to be very careful with that, not to run him in the ground. We we forget he's 42, so you got to be careful. But... I think to your point earlier, they're going to find some situations where it's not just a lefty; it's going to be others, and you're going to see Albert Pujols against right-handed pitching. I, I don't think there's any doubt about that.
0: Well, and it, this is completely unfair here, as we're a handful of games into the season. But you know, you you have Dickerson as your right-handed complement, but Corey Dickerson never came in as that. He looks like that DH home run guy. He was a compliment that you desperately needed against right-handed pitching. But if Albert is locked in, even at his advanced age, look, I would take I would take that chance of seeing what that guy can end up doing. And, and Lars Newbar is going to find himself in this mix as well. But if you're Ollie, how could you not be tempted to have one of the best players on earth and put him in different positions? Because just like you said that, you know, Albert will be vocal and let you know when he needs a day. And I do believe that he'll do that. But you'll also know if he ends up being overmatched in a situation. If you put him out there and it's, let's just use Brandon Woodruff, for example, okay? You put him out there against Woodruff, it doesn't look good. You know that Woodruff throws over 65% fastballs, and he's not catching up to it. To say, okay, well, that's not our matchup. But they've already talked about the splits against softer-throwing right-handers. Zach Granke would have been in the lineup uh, against him today had it not been rained out. I like the idea of utilizing that guy. And, Dan, I want you to speak to this because you've seen it so many times over the years, even more than I did being teammates with Albert, when that guy is in a lineup, it feels like things around him yes. end up
1: changing. I, I, I 100% agree. I, I mean, I, I know he's not, and i got to remind myself, he's not the Albert Pujols of 10 years ago in his prime, but he's still a threat, and I'm with you. And I think you offer a great perspective of this. I mean, if you're a pitcher, you're looking at the lineup, and Dylan Carlson quietly now is hit in 11 straight dating back to last year. So that's, that's your first guy, and he's got a little pop too, 18 home runs, a season ago, but then it's Goldschmidt, O'Neill sandwich between Goldie, Arenado, and then potentially Albert Pujols. That is hard to get through. It'll wear you down, and I, I think that's the thing that I look at when you write out that lineup, man, that stands out, and uh, it makes a huge difference, and I, I, I do believe it's a factor for the uh, opposition, certainly the pitcher, to say, man, look at that lineup, and then it's been lengthened if you get production out of DeYoung and some of the others. So yeah. uh the DH has just made a, a complete different looking lineup for the St. Louis Cardinals in 2022.
0: Yeah, it's been a different looking lineup. And it's it's just so important, especially when you look at I mean if that DH done. spot and has been in each of the games so far for the Cardinals, Ollie Marmel uh has had the DH spot there hitting fifth. You think about how hot Nolan Arenado has been, okay? And the guy is squaring up everything. doesn't matter what you throw. If you throw it near the zone, he is hitting it out of the ballpark or or it's a double. Dan, if you don't have protection behind that guy, he's never going to get anything to hit. Like guys are going to smarten up. They're going to pitch around him. But then all of a sudden you have a presence there, whether that presence is, well, the man in, in Albert Pujols or somebody else getting the job done. That five spot in the lineup to me becomes maybe the most pivotal part of all. And it's nice to see Albert Pujols be able to step up in that spot yesterday.
1: So Nolan Arenado is now the NL player of the week. Not so far this year. 3-2, out to deep left field. It's at the wall, gone! Nolan has done it again. Third home run already. He's driven in nine. It's only the fourth game of the year. 2-0, 2 nothing, St. Louis. Got it going again last night. Production value, by the way, is skyrocketing it. on this. Yeah, it, it's skyrocketing, uh, and it is self-serving, no question about it. But um, it is fun to see what this guy is doing, and he talked about little adjustments. Do you notice, Brad, where the barrel is when he's hitting these? I mean, he is out in front on everything in a good way. So, I mean, the barrel in the zone, getting to the ball, the contact, The fact that he's not back too much, not forward too much, which he got a little jumpy at times last year and still popped 34 home runs. But I mean to tell you, everything he is hitting is loud. Literally, it's loud. He had a couple of foul balls in this homestand that were just like, holy smokes, he is hitting and punishing pitching. So um, right now you're talking about it, and again, it's week one, but an MVP candidate, which is what we all expect.
0: Yeah, for sure, and I think that punishing pitches is a really good way to put it because there is an aggression behind everything that Nolan Arenado does that swing is beautiful and what you're talking about it. And uh, look, if you're listening to this podcast, by the way, thank you for listening to this
1: podcast. Yes, Download and it.
0: Subscribe. Yeah. That's download right. it wherever you get your podcast from. You should, you should do that because that would help out Dan and I, that would allow us more opportunity to give you production value.
1: That's right. Thank you very so, much.
0: But, but you watch his swing and you see how he just comes down on the ball and you don't see too many guys like that. Honestly, what comes to mind when I watch Nolan Arenado and I see him hit the ball the way that he does is Matt Holiday. Like that's what the swing looks like.
1: I I see it. I mean, the finish is what I see. You know what I mean? How he finishes high, kind of like Holiday used to as well. He had a little leg kick, and then everything was centered, balanced, and then the barrel to the ball, but then kind of finished high. And I I see that with Nolan, too. And I I thought there were times last year, maybe, I don't know if off-balance is the right way to put it, but just not quite as in sync as what we're seeing right now. There are flashes of it, but if he continues to do this, it's a completely uh, different lineup. I want to go back to the pitching just for a moment, and then we'll wrap things up. Actually, I'm going to ask you... Because it's a podcast, so we can jump all over the place.
0: Yeah, go wherever you want, Dan. We have no commercial breaks to hit.
1: I think this is a well. We'd like to change that. So if you want to sponsor Possibly this great, you. yeah, this this great podcast, make sure you get a hold of us, and we'll make sure you get the uh, sponsorship. But uh, I think this is an offensive test on the road, and what I mean by that, we know Milwaukee can pitch. Now they, they've gotten beaten up a little bit in Chicago, but they're over the course of the season, they're going to be fine. We know what they got in the back end of their games. And, and Williams and Hayter, their starting pitching is really good. And then you go down to Miami, and Alcantara, I believe, is supposed to make a start. Lazardo supposed to make a start. I can't remember the other one, but it's a good one. I mean, as we saw down in spring training, Brad, they have really good pitching. Cincinnati has pitched very well. I wonder if we're going to see Hunter Green, who is, you know, throwing 103 with ease. So my point is is that this upcoming trip beginning tomorrow is a really good test for the Cardinal offense, and we'll see where it takes them.
0: Yeah, I I wholeheartedly agree. When you look at what you're going to be facing with the Brewers, you're going to have Brandon Woodruff in game one against Wayne. Oh, that's must see TV going to face Freddie Fastballs, who's actually Freddie Slider now, too. He's got really good stuff. The fact that we don't talk much about Freddie Peralta should tell you how good Brandon Woodruff and Corbin Burns are because Freddie Peralta is an ace on a bunch of staffs. You got Hauser and you got Eric Lauer, the, the lone lefty. Like It is going to be a test, but the way that these guys are swinging the bat, and it's not just the numbers, Dan, although the numbers have been very good for a lot of them. To me, it's the approach. It's the pitches that they aren't swinging at. It's their their dedication to the strike zone and not going outside of that. They have a great idea of what they're doing. I'd like to know your take on this. I know that there is a school of thought and has been in the past when you're facing a guy, and especially early in the season, when you know you're looking at pitch counts, you face a guy like Brandon Woodruff, say, all right, well, let's make him work. Let's let him get that pitch count up. I'm not sure that's the best way to approach a guy like that. I'm with you. you see something in the zone, let it rip.
1: Yeah, 100%, because I think if he gets strike one, and the numbers bear it out generally uh, across the board in, in baseball, look at the first pitch strikes. And look at a 1-1 one, one pitch and what happens after that. If you go to 1-2 two or 2-1, two, the numbers dramatically increase one way or the other. And it, it's either going to favor the pitcher. If you go 1-2, you go to 2-1, to one, 2 and one, it's going to favor the hitter. And so I, I'm with you. When you guys have guys that have elite stuff, and the game has really changed, even from when you were playing, Brad, and I was doing your games, and I don't know if you agree with this, but the game has changed in this to where um, these guys are throwing so hard – And they are so good with secondary pitches because the data is there to help them improve and get better and show what they're doing right or wrong, that if you fall behind, you're in trouble. And I don't care if you're Albert Pujols or Nolan Arenado or or Paul Goldschmidt, if you go down 0-1 or 1-2, it's very tough for a hitter because these guys are so good. I mean, people ask me, why don't they bunt? You know why they don't bunt? Because it's really hard. Guys are throwing 97 with sink. Jordan Hicks, for instance. And Tony LaRusso, always used to make this point with closers. I used to say, I say, Tony, you know, you guys are down by a run and and guys are swinging at the first pitch in the ninth inning. I don't understand it. And he said, well, you got to understand that closers, once they get ahead, it's over. You know, nine times out of 10, they're going to bury you. And so I think that's kind of the mindset that you have to have with certain guys. And certainly some of the guys that we see coming up on this road trip. I don't know if you agree, but that's, that's kind of where I'm at.
0: I do, man. And I think that we've been seeing this. And again, I'll against different opponents against the Buccos and the first game against the Royals. I know it's not the pitching that they're going to be facing, but we're not seeing a lot of fastballs go down Broadway without right. somebody taking a big swing at it. And that's how it should be. This offense is built to punish people. I know we've talked about it in years past. Say, Hey, this team's good on paper. And then it didn't turn out to be a good offensive ball club. This team coming in this year, very good on paper and has been good statistically early on in the season. Real quick, Dan, because you have my mind uh, thinking, and like you said, it's a podcast. We can go all over the place. Yeah. Talking about different trends and guys' stuff being so good. Hey, do you think, and I was thinking about this watching Dakota Hudson, okay? Dakota throws a lot of strikes. It it was good with the sinker, good with the slider. Those are his bread and butter as far as strike goes. He'll show you the curveball, and he'll show you the changeup, but didn't throw very many strikes with those pitches. I was thinking about him, and then I was thinking about the transformation of Kevin Gosman. Kevin Gosman, when he went over to San Francisco, he bagged everything except for his two best pitches. He He went fastball splitter, and that's basically what you're getting all the time. Do you think that we are going to see a trend here in baseball where it's just like, what do you do? what do you do well what is your best pitch best pitch is and we're going to keep doing that because i look at dakota and i think that he can attack with fastball slider but for the longest time and it's, it's been pitching like you have to have a third pitch you got to show them different things i think that we're trending in a different direction here dan where it's like we're going to find out what you do well and we're going to maximize it as long as we can
1: yeah I, and i think a lot of that will be driven by data and So, for instance, the lefty of the Kansas City Royals last night, I I liked his stuff. I mean, he's their number two prospect. He's going to be good. He's going to be really good. You could see it, how the ball's coming out of his hands. But, you know, to your point, he went back in the offseason, looked at different things, went to the training facility, and they said, hey, you can add spin rate by doing this. And if you do that, and all of a sudden, can quantify what the data is saying. Why would you go to these lesser pitches mm-hmm. if you can maximize what your strengths are and make it even better? So I, I do think because of data, and data is a great thing in the game. I, I, you know, a lot of people poo-poo it, and I, I understand that. I mean, they 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 get bogged down with the numbers, and I do too. I think us as broadcasters, we we can't go down that road too much. It's it's supposed to be entertainment. And you got to tell the stories of the players, too. It's a human element. But when you're trying to compete at the highest level, what's going to give me the edge? And the edge is going to be going to driveline, going to these hitting facilities, figuring out how to get backspin on your swing. Um, What am I doing wrong to get more? uh, What can I do to, to eliminate certain things or get higher spin rates on breaking balls or fastballs and those kind of things? And if I'm really maximizing that and improving that with my, whether it be a fastball or one secondary pitch, I think you can eliminate it. I, I would say this, though. I'd still keep it in my back pocket to show it, and maybe it's a waste pitch, but it's still – I'm going to become – if I'm going to go percentage-wise, see what you think. Like 75 to 85% is my two pitches, and then maybe 5 to 10%, maybe 15 on that other pitch, and that might be high – so, you know what I'm saying? Like, you, yeah. you you maximize the two pitches that are going to get people out because the spin rate is showing you it's at this elite level. So, why change anything? Why do anything differently? And I, I do think that that's something that maybe we see a trend in sports, in this sport in particular.
0: Yeah, look, the last thing you want to get do is beat with uh, your least stuff. Like, you never want to do that as a pitcher. You don't want to be put in that situation. And as but, you're talking but, about all of that. Yeah.
1: But hold on. As a pitcher, though, don't you have to show it at least? just something like if I'm a starter and I'm going to try to get three times through a lineup, which a lot of, you know, the saver are going to say, don't do that. But if I am, don't I have to show something every once in a while, even if it's, and I say a waste pitch, I don't mean like five feet out of the zone and it's some changeup that I'm just, Oh, look, I threw a circle chain. No, I'm talking about tantalizing enough. It's not my best pitch, but I'm certainly never ever going to throw it for a strike, but it's in the back of the hitter's mind that at least it's there. It's something I so, have.
0: I think that, and we are talking about two different worlds here, right? As you talk about that third time around, you're elite of elite. Your best starting pitchers, your number ones, they don't have two pitches. I know I threw Gosman out there that really throws two, but for the most part, you got guys that have really good feel for three pitches that they could throw in any count. But I really think that if you are a guy – you can still keep people honest. If you have two pitches, and I'll just use Dakota again as an example because he just recently, re- recently pitched yesterday. If, uh, if you have a guy that can spot up his fastball, and I'm talking about spot it up, and then have a nasty slider off of it, I think that you can keep hitters honest enough with those two pitches, but you have to be able to spot up because lefties. And remember Dakota Hudson in his his rookie year crushed or, or actually his second year lefties crushed him because everybody leaned out over the plate was waiting for that sinker and they would smash stuff. You'd even have sinkers that were off the plate away to lefties and they would be diving so much. They would hook them down the right field line. Like that's how honest they, they, you know, or they weren't honest at all because he couldn't prove that he could spot up that fastball inside. But if you prove you can do that, I really do believe you can have success with two pitches in this league.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I think it makes a lot of sense. Uh, All right, buddy. We uh, wrapped up another podcast. We are off to Milwaukee, and it'll be the home opener for the Brewers tomorrow. So that place should be rocking. That's going to be fun, and it should be a a really entertaining early season matchup with the Cardinals and the Brewers. I can't wait. It's going to be a lot of fun.
0: It is going to be a blast. I'm excited to be uh, have my first couple of games of the season on the call with you, Dan. It's going to be awesome.
1: Did you like the technology that we uh, mixed in here?
0: Yeah, I, I was digging it. You brought in production value. I'm going to bring some audio from the Cardinals Kids Show. And I I'll love it. And Fred Bird. Yeah, we'll see what we can dive into a little bit. I'll find some self-serving audio.
1: Did uh, Mike Ryder or Tommy Mattern uh, agree with uh, Brad Thompson and Friend?
0: No, look, I tried to get this up the food chain over there at 101 ESPN, and it has hit a roadblock. Maybe BT and Friends is, maybe it's copyrighted already
1: or something. All right, buddy. See you in a bit. And uh, thanks for doing this. And we'll do it again uh, this weekend.
0: Sounds good. Always fun.
1: That's Brad. I'm Dan. This is 101 ESPN.
0: You've been listening to the Redbird Report Podcast with the TV voice of the Cards, Danny Mac, and Cards World Series champion Brad Thompson on 101 ESPN.
1: At the Home Depot, we have Black Friday savings all through November. And with that comes a joyful holiday bustle that we just love to hear. Although we also love the sound that comes after the holidays when people put their new tools to use. In fact, we love it so much, when you buy select Milwaukee M18 kits, you'll get an extra tool for free. So after you're done filling the air with holiday magic, you can fill it with the sounds of doing. The Home Depot, how doers get more done.
0: Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of.